0: Hi, I'm Mandy Jack, and I'm part of a team of academic developers at Swansea University who provide support and promote good learning and teaching practices and experiences. Welcome to A Pinch of Salt, Swansea University's learning and teaching podcast. If it has anything to do with learning and teaching in higher education, let's make sure everybody knows about it. What's University for and what's it all about? On the UCAS website they tell us that university isn't just about learning but about the experience that will enrich your life. It also tells us that in 2020 a record number of 18 year olds from the most disadvantaged backgrounds from across the UK are being accepted into university year on year and that the global pandemic has not damaged the progress on widening participation in universities and colleges. Would familiarising yourself with higher education and developing the knowledge and skills needed for higher education have an impact on young people's thinking and about taking up a higher education pathway? Today we talk to the Partnership Manager of the Reaching Wider team at Swansea University, Alice Davis. And hopefully she can help us answer these questions and a few more about what is going on here at Swansea University and in our local community. So welcome to A Pinch of Salt, Alice. Thank you. Well, I guess the first question would have to be, what is South West Wales Reaching Wider
1: Partnership and how did it all begin? That is a very good question and slightly complicated to explain. Um, we are actually coming up to our 20 year anniversary. Um, so we have been going for 20 years, believe it or not. Um, but basically we are a Higher Education uh, Council for Wales funded project. We are a partnership. Um, we're a partnership of FE colleges, higher education institutions and other organisations. Uh, there are three in Wales. We are the Southwest Wales Partnership. Um, within that partnership, Swansea University is the lead partner. And then University of Wales Trinity St. David is also a partner. And then we've got the four FE colleges in the region. So you've got Pembrokeshire College, College Collegesia Gar, NPTC Group and, um, oh gosh, who have I forgotten now? Uh, Gower College, Swansea. And then we've also got uh, Careers Wales are partners. We also have sort of schools as partners. um, And we are funded directly by HEFCO to basically widen access to higher education, but for specific targeted groups. Ah, so you go out to various areas in the community, including schools.
0: And, and what sort of age does that programme begin? When do you start encouraging and engaging with the idea of going to university?
1: Absolutely. Well, we start young. Um, so year five or year six, because there is there's a fair amount of research that shows sort of the younger you start it starts becoming part of your life or part of your expectations of what your future might hold, the more likely you are to progress. So, for example, um, just this summer, we've been working with the uh, Food and Fun um, programme in Neath and Swansea, which is uh, a programme which offers, tends to be for children who would normally be in receipt of free school meals, not exclusively. It's a programme that runs through the summer, and we've been going in and delivering sort of, fun activities, but with a, a sort of a university theme. So it might have a, a science theme or it might have a sort of a, a team building theme, but we take in students to work with the, the children on it and they get used to spending time with people who are at university and sort of seeing that they're someone like that.
0: Yeah, that's a really good idea. I remember when my daughter was about five, um, she decided what comprehensive school she was going to and that she was going to university, but she hadn't decided which one. So she'd already made those decisions. So I guess the younger that you can get into school and actually plan that idea. She got the idea from, from me because obviously I talked about things like that. But if your family don't talk about things like that, it might not be something that actually crosses your mind. Absolutely.
1: It's about your cultural capital, about it sort of being something that might be expected of you Um, and one of the other things we do with sort of year six as well is um stuff around literacy and numeracy as well because a big part of our program is there's there's raising the sort of expectation that you're going to go to university but also the reality is you're not going to go there if you haven't got certain sets of skills so preparing them to sort of hit year seven in the best way possible so we run a sort of um uh, a spelling competition, which is just like a fun sort of um, spelling competition, but with a literacy focus. We do some maths activities. We do after-school clubs in science. So um, it's all about sort of raising that enthusiasm for learning and also their their sort of key key skills in that sort of area. Yeah, I was going to ask you what sort of activities you do because I was looking
0: at the website and I could see responses from teachers saying how. They how thrilled they were with the way that the children had reacted to you coming in and and teaching them and giving them some activities that would make
1: them, well, raise their, as you said, raise their aspirations. Absolutely. And I think there's a lot to be said for someone new coming in and sort of, you might have switched off from maths, but suddenly when you see that oh, actually this way of doing it is fun and um, this person is is just like me. That could be something that I might want to do one day.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the role model um, is definitely a good way forward, isn't it? Um, Could you tell us a little bit more about how you go, how you approach designing the Reaching Wider programme and, you know, and, and the learning sessions?
1: Absolutely. There's I mean we we have targets which are set by HEFGU. So at the moment we're just entering a new uh, strategy period. So we're really responding to the new curriculum for Wales and also renew and reform, which is sort of the Welsh Government plan for recovering from the impacts of the pandemic on the um on on learning really. Um Welsh Government's been very keen not to use the word catch-up. Um you know, underlying it—that's that's what it is about. But sort of responding to that, so I think one of the nice things about reaching wider is we do sort of flex to what the sort of what's happening at the moment. So currently, for example, we're doing a lot more around well-being because that's been a real sort of impact of the pandemic um, is the impact of well-being on young people, and also it's part of the new curriculum. So in fact, just yesterday we sat down and had a planning day and. Some activities will have a well-being focus, but it's also about building it into everything we do. And that's sort of things like resilience, like not I can't do it, I can't do it yet. And and sort of building that language into all our activities. And a lot of our STEM activities are challenge based. And and you describe it and you think, well, that's a STEM activity. Like um, one of them is building a, a mini roller coaster and seeing how slowly you can get a marble to run down it. But actually, well-being is built into that as well because it's a team challenge and they they work in a little team and different different pupils will take on different roles within that and getting them to reflect on the skills that they've used on the day and sort of going, well, the first time you did it, it didn't work. But you did it again. And actually, you you know, you really sort of slowed that marble down um, and sort of seeing that experimenting, you know, applies to life is every you don't do everything the first time perfectly. Um, And if you can sort of build that resilience in. So that's quite a big part of our planning, really, is thinking how it all meshes in. Yeah. Yeah, it all sounds. I I was a primary school teacher. That's where I started
0: out. And and, uh, your, your science experiments have an end goal and sometimes you have to hurry them ro- along a little so yes we want the children to explore but sometimes they don't have that you don't have that time because you need the curriculum you need to follow the curriculum so i guess activities like yours where the whole aspect of it is about exploring and having that time to challenge and thinking about your learning that that process is um, you know is a fabulous thing whether they end up
1: going to university or not absolutely and and you touched on role models earlier. Most of our activities are smaller than a classroom size. Or if we're working with a class, we have our student leaders in the in the mix. So you, you're able to pay a bit more attention to pupils and the student leaders are essential. They're integral to what we do there. And they are the role models and sort of like, oh, you know, I'm an engineer. And actually, some of these skills you're using here, I'm doing a degree in engineering and I use these skills. Um and that that can have a big impact like we always say our student leaders are our biggest asset completely yeah i bet they are uh, uh, yeah and
0: because obviously they understand where those these children are coming from as well so they'll have that understanding of the the their background and and the links and and the identities they need to make those uh, connections with those children so yeah it's really good um, what are the main barriers then to accessing
1: education? And have these changed, you think, over the years? I think there's probably the the biggest one is attainment at the end of the day. But what goes into attainment is is huge. Um, in that, you know, studies show that if you don't get the the GCSEs and your sort of core GCSEs, you're much less likely to go on to higher education. It's just sort of a fact. But all the things behind attainment are so challenging and like particularly across the pandemic you know I heard politicians going how wonderful Wales was doing because everybody had a a laptop and things I was like they've got a laptop have they got the wi-fi have they got uh, a caregiver who's got the time to make sure that they understand the task who's who's have they got a quiet room of their own or are they sharing it with a sibling you know it's understanding it's not just about having the laptop it's about having you know, a carer who, a parent or a carer who hasn't got a full-time job and is trying to sort of manage you and another load of other children. And in some cases as well, it's attitudes to learning as well. Um, you know, it's sort of people like me don't go to university. So that, again, that's where our, our role models come in. So it's, it's a complex picture without a doubt. Um, and it's, it's all of that
0: tied in together. Yeah, because I was listening to the news this morning, and there's a big um, up in arms. I it felt like I'm, I'm not sure. I didn't read the document, but the news headline was that well, asking why have we got more first class honors degrees mm. now than ever before? Could it be that we're teaching better? Could it be that our pupils are coming from that broader, wider community? And they might not have had that access to university. So they have been given that opportunity. And actually, they're really good at it. <laughs> so that, that, that upset me a lot because I think we strive to do things better. We strive to change. We strive to improve. And then when we do improve and our targets have improved and our, the, the goals are, are obviously being met by these students, and yet we're, oh, why have we got more getting first class
1: that blew my mind this morning I was really upset with that it's interesting as well like because with the, the so we work from year five year six all the way through to year 12 13 and the older ones applying thinking about UCAS I think a lot of schools still tell them you know it needs to be about the E qualification you've got and you put in your violin playing qualification and they'll be like well I've got a part-time job in Tesco so I can't put that on an application form and it's like think about all the skills you've got from working in Tesco's, those communication skills, you know, dealing with the difficult customers and the colleagues, the numeracy skills. Oh, I can't put that on a form. And it's like, but that is going to be more applicable to, to your university degree than that violin certificate that another student has got. Um, and it's sort of how we value different skills and work experience, I think. Yeah. I used
0: to say, because um, I used to teach um, primary school teachers, And when they came for the interview, if they came straight from um, um, sixth form, I'd say, go and have a year travelling. Go and work for a year, but not in education. Just do something different. Get that life experience. Get those other skills. And you bring those back into the education system and make it a much brighter place to be, I think. Um, You could always tell the head teachers for primary school who'd never been anywhere other than education. And that wasn't a good thing.
1: <laughs> um, are there any particular groups that you're particularly keen to work with? Yes. So in terms of our, our funding, it is um, the bottom 40% of the Welsh Index of Multiple Deprivation, um, which is effectively uh, a postcode marker. It, it's a proxy for poverty, to be honest. Um, so we're it, it's our way of targeting sort of poverty in communities. So that is particularly what we're funded to work with, but also um, care experienced young people. So young people who have been sort of looked after by a foster carer or in a home, who've been in the care system at some point in their lives. Um, the numbers of young people with that experience progressing to university are, are dire. Um, also, uh, people who are carers, um, young and adult, Um And then also, we're increasingly starting to look at sort of uh, disability and UK ethnic minority um, groups as well. Um, That's an interesting one because um, that's partly as a result of the pandemic because there's a lot of evidence that those groups have been disproportionately affected by the pandemic and that's why they're becoming a new focus for us. Um, One of the other areas which you will probably see in the news is white working class boys as well and the numbers of, the, of, of those progressing to university are is sort of incredibly low so those are our sort of our target areas in terms of the the sort of postcode area how we how we do it is by working with schools with high percentages of young people from those areas um, so for example in in Swansea there are schools we wouldn't work with just because they've got very small numbers of people from, from the lower income areas, whereas we've got other schools who've got very high numbers, so that's how we sort of target. And then with the work we do with adults, we perhaps look at communities. So you might look at sort of libraries or community centres in the communities which are known to sort of have low access to employment and education and health and all sorts.
0: I can understand. I mean, I was wondering, obviously you mentioned young carers, you'd mention all, all of that. And it's interesting that we think that, that we have to target groups like ethnic minority groups, where they could well be quite well off and have parents and grandparents that have been through higher education and have successful careers. But it's interesting that you say that, you know, they're still finding it difficult, um, you know, to access university, you know, even now.
1: I think it, there's a, quite a lot of intersectionality in our targets. So, for example, you might be from a low income area, but but I would say, well, if your both your parents and your family life has been, you know, you can have you can have the right postcode, but your parents could be a surgeon and a and a professor. That wouldn't be one of our target groups. It is definitely sort of from a family where there is an experience of higher education. So, um, yeah, it's definitely sort of cross cutting targets. Yeah, and. How do you monitor the impact then of of the programme? It's challenging because long term tracking is really hard. Um, So we tend to look at sort of short term impacts depending on on what the programme is. So if, for example, we've run something that was aimed at raising awareness of of university, we might just do a questionnaire at the start of the programme and a questionnaire at the end and measure change. And then also perhaps triangulate that feedback and then speak to a teacher as well or, or a parent or something to see has there been any change um other other activities it might be if we were doing a specific attainment raising event we might like sometimes we do sort of gcse tutoring so we might look at predicted grades and outcomes that can be difficult because predicted grades aren't always accurate um but also measuring perceptions like, you know, how confident do you feel going into the exams before and after the intervention? And then with the older groups, so we do then track them into university as much as we can. Um, there's something called UCAS strobe, which can run a query for you and tell you sort of, they can do cohort analysis. So you can sort of say our cohort were from these backgrounds. How do they compare with other students from these backgrounds? Um, and, and that sort of shows that, that more of the students we've worked with are going on to university than those who from similar backgrounds who haven't had the same interventions. Um, oh, that's fantastic. That must really keep you going. Oh, yeah. Although, to be honest, that's the statistical side of it. And you read that and you're like, oh, that's that's good to know. And that's reassuring. But like we've just had um, a student leader graduate with a first she first came on our summer school when she was seventeen and a single mum. Actually, she was a little bit older, but she was a single mum in college. What hadn't wasn't sure whether uni was for her, whether she was going to be able to manage. And then uh, she came on our summer school, and we supported her with childcare and sort of were quite, had quite an understanding approach to her situation. And, and I remember her saying to her, "Oh well." You know that was the reason I came to Swansea. You made such an effort to make me feel a part of the program, even though my situation was different to most of the other young people on the program. And then she's she's gone through, she's become a student leader for us. She's gone out into the schools that she came from um, and has just graduated with the first. And, and it's those stories that kind of there's the numbers on the page, but then it's the, the actual personal stories. You're like, oh, wow. And yeah, that's given me goose pimples, actually. That's yeah. such
0: a nice story. And that that does show that what you're doing is working.
1: Absolutely. And there'll be other young people come along. And like last summer, sort of post just about when we could start going back into schools and we'd had a big change of staff. I ended up doing a lot of stuff myself and I went in doing some digestion workshops. Um, which were teaching about digestion but it was making poo with Weetabix and coffee and tights and learning about peristalsis and all sorts and took student leaders and took some medicine students in and went around a load of schools doing these workshops Um, and then a whole year later went into school again and a number of people just went oh it's the poo lady again. But it's just that sort of <laughs> that regular it. interaction and they remember <laughs> you and yeah. they remember that they've engaged with the university and it's like, oh, right, yes, no, we did that with you. And and sometimes like I'll look through old photos and I think, gosh, that person's in year 12 now and we've just done this with them. We first engaged with them when they were in year seven. So it is that long, long term program that is, I think, a sort of a key factor.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And and like you say, you can see that progress as they go through. Like That's fantastic.
1: So what else do you think
0: universities could do to encourage wider access to higher education?
1: Oh, gosh, there's, there's a lot. I think a lot of it as well is just around language as well. You know, just how you talk about university and how how you, what you do. Like, for example, um, one of the things we train our student leaders is how you introduce yourself. And it sounds like the most basic thing But the number of students who come in and go, um, I'm doing uh, mechanical engineering and I'm doing a PhD. And now for most people, the the group of people we're working with, they won't understand what a PhD is. And what does mechanical engineering really mean? Um, So helping people sort of explain things instead of like excluding people by the vocabulary you're using, you know, using an inclusive way of talking. Similarly, talking when you're talking about who goes to higher education, um, providing as many role models from as different backgrounds as as we possibly can, I think, is important. Um, I have a bugbear about people talking about parents all the time because a lot of people, their caregiver isn't their, their parent. It might be a grandparent, it might be an auntie, it might be a foster carer, um, particularly sort of that. I think a lot more engagement with teachers is key because teachers are the gatekeepers and I've I've worked with teachers who've gone said to me I don't know why you're working with this group none of them are going to go to university and I'm like they're 13 you you know you've 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 ruled them out the flip side is some amazing teachers out there absolutely but I think the more we can do to work with teachers um and to show that Swansea University and all universities they want people from all backgrounds we don't necessarily it's not always the sort of Sometimes teachers can have a picture in their head of who they think universities want um, and and I think it's perhaps working with teachers to help them understand that's not, that, that image might be about out of date sometimes. Absolutely out of date, <laughs> one would hope. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, so... Can Swansea University staff and students get involved in the Reach
1: Wide initiative? How would they do that? Absolutely. I mean, we sort of, with staff, we, we do think of ourselves as brokers almost in some ways in that we haven't got the subject expert uh, expertise. Like, I mean, you know, we, we come from a range of different backgrounds, but our, our backgrounds is engagement now rather than the subject we did however many years ago. Um, but what we can do is link people up with the right schools and also what we'll sometimes do is pick apart a workshop because somebody will come to me and I really want to talk about, you know, African tree frogs. That's amazing. But you need to break that down. And bear in mind, your audience is 14 year olds. Like, You know, how can you make that relevant? How can you make it hands on? How can you make it a debate rather than you talking? That sort of thing. Um, so it's almost like a sort of broker in that the colleagues have the academic knowledge we've got a lot of contact with schools um, and if people want to do a workshop or a masterclass with a school uh, or a community um, then you know speak to us and we'll sort of you know what's your subject what's your passion um, and, and that as well is a big game changer is being passionate about your subject that that sort of young people will take that away and it'll change their opinion about something if the person delivering is passionate um, and then in terms of students we are always recruiting new students to work for us Um, in fact we've got a recruitment round coming up sort of October time I think Um, we do I think people often think that our students are volunteers but we do have a principle of paying them on the basis that we don't want to exclude people who need the money you know who is it a choice between volunteering to work for reaching wider or having a job with Tesco's I need the money so I'll go and work with Tesco so we do pay our student leaders so it is a job they have a zero-hour contract with us um they can pick and choose the work as to when their lectures and deadlines are um so very grateful for any staff and get the message out to their students um you know that there's work opportunities and particularly as well i'm we're always looking out for those role models so people who've come from the communities people who've, who've perhaps been in care themselves or been a carer you know, they really can relate well to the young people and sort of share their stories and things. Um, in fact, one of the things we do with the student leaders is tour training, um, how to do a tour of sons University, but in a personalised way, in a sort of what does this building mean to you? What was your first experience of walking into the library? What does the library mean to you? And, you know, oh, this, this place was where I met my best friend. This place is when I, I first had my essay back or something and got a really good grade. So it's just sort of that human story to everything. So
0: hopefully the podcast will help get it out there because the podcast is hopefully aiming at staff and students and everybody who's got anything to do with um, the university. So hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll get it out there. Um, we've come to the end of my, my questions that I had. Is there anything that I've missed or is there anything else you'd like to say?
1: I mean, I suppose it's really just it is get in touch if you've got ideas for working with adults in the communities or young people. Um, as I say, we we do sort of function. I think I think of ourselves as a broker, so we can we can do that. Okay, and,
0: well, I'll put your details on the in the show notes and links to the Reach In Wider program website pages, so people can can get in touch that way. Well, I have come to the end of our formal sort of chat but we've got some fun questions we call them the salty questions so if you could recruit anyone to help promote the teaching wider program they can be real or fictional and they could be dead or alive who
1: would it be and why oh wow anyone at all well do you know what i have got my eye on the ceo of starling bank because um she went to Kevin Hengoid School, um, which is Mice, which is quite a sort of deprived area of Swansea. Um, she's a woman in computer science. She's a bit of a game changer um, because she sort of set up her own bank, didn't like what was happening with, with banking in the in after the crash and everything. So said I'm gonna do it differently. Um, and and for me, she's that role model. You know, she's come from the local community and 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 being a woman in STEM as well. I think she's sort of, I can imagine her. She's the first person who leapt into my mind. Oh,
0: that's brilliant. What a fantastic choice. Um, what three words would sum up the Reaching Wider programme for you?
1: Passionate, because it is the sort of work that doesn't always cover you in glamour. I spent a lot of summer, well, like making poo with Weetabix, loading cars up with boxes, doing residentials at strange hours and things like that. Um, And I do think you have to be passionate about what you're doing uh, to do that type of work. Um, Responsive, I think, because as I say, we just respond all the time to what's happening, but also to schools. Like a school can approach us and say, we've got this gap. Can you help us with it? And rather than saying, no, we've got a programme that does this, we try and we look at it and sort of say, right, can we, you know, is there a way that this works with us? I think I'll go with inclusive because... You know, everybody, it is about believing that higher education is for all and, and also that it's, but it's also not for all in the sense of if, you know, we're not saying that this is the route that everyone should take. It's just about providing options and making sure everyone is making their decisions on a, from a level playing field. And if you make the decision not to go to university and, and that's, you've got the grades, you've got all the awareness and the knowledge and the confidence and the experience and you say, do you know what, that's not for me. That for me is an equal playing field and you've decided not to go to uni. That's absolutely fine. Maybe uni is not for you. And we do have young people who come on our summer schools who go, do you know what, actually, I don't think this is for me. But they're coming away making an informed decision um, and it's it's not being made for them because they didn't get the grades or because nobody ever thought that they'd make it in uni. They just didn't have the confidence or they didn't know how to apply. Um, yeah. That would be... What was That's the word I chose? Inclusive.
0: Inclusive. That... That is perfect. I, re- I really like that. You summed that up very well. And last question is, what's the best thing about
1: Swansea University? Oh, it's got to be, I think, the people. And like I say, the, the assets for me are the team I work with and the student leaders. Um, and you can do the most whiz-bangy thing with, with the groups that we work with and the feedback will be the people they met um and you know like I can just think of a school I was in recently where the student leader was talking about having dyslexia and how they were doing an engineering degree and this 12 year old boy piped up with I've got dyslexia I didn't think people with dyslexia could go to university and you know it's just sort of sort of like student leaders are prepared to share their experiences as well um Particularly over the, the summer this year, because of the impact of the pandemic, we've seen a lot more well-being issues and having, and having our student leaders share some of their experiences as well, it, it seems to have brought lots of things out. I think it's, um, yeah, it's definitely the the people I think yeah. is the most valuable. Thing.
0: Yeah. And not only are they giving the children confidence to make that choice then, they're also building confidence within, aren't they? Because because they can see the reaction that they're getting from the people around them. They might've hidden that for so long. And now actually you're encouraging them to share those things. And, it, and it's actually developing that self-efficacy and, and strength, oh, that's brilliant. Well, thank you very much for coming, Alice. It's been great to hear all about the programme and to hear all about the successes. And thank you for listening. Um, You can find this and any other episode of A Pinch of Salt on Spotify and many other podcasting platforms. You can also find any links and recommendations or suggestions that have been made today in the show notes and on Anchor and our university website. So that's bye from me, Mandy Jack, and bye from Alice. Goodbye. (laughs) And thank you very much.